Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Sunday, October 27, 2019. On this day in 1921, 15-year-old Harold Jones confessed to the murder of 11-year-old Florence Little one week before his case went to trial. But it wasn't just Florence he'd killed. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're going back to the day Harold Jones confessed to two murders, eight-year-old Frida Burnell and 11-year-old Florence Little. The victims were both from Harold's hometown, Abertillery, South Wales. Though his confessions doomed him in the eyes of the law, he'd lived to be a suspect in a whole new set of killings decades later. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Before we unpack the ramifications of Harold Jones' crimes, let's go back to his cell in Usk Prison on October 27, 1921, a little before lunch. Harold Jones stared moodily at his cell wall. His birthday was coming up, 16, a big one, particularly considering his situation. At 16, he'd be eligible for the death sentence. The question was, would he get it? Last time, he'd gotten off scot-free. Harold grinned as he remembered. The applause when he'd returned home from the courthouse was deafening. He'd been the town hero to the people of Abertillery, South Wales. Their boy had done well, getting out of that wrongful accusation. There was no way he could have killed little Frida Burnell, they'd cooed. He was too smart to commit such foul violence. His future was too bright. The attention had felt so good to Harold. To be known, to matter to be more than a shop boy. The best part, in retrospect, was the comment of his neighbor, George Little. George had slapped Harold on the back and commented, well done, lad, we knew you didn't do it. Thinking about it, Harold gave a dark laugh, his glee cutting through the prison's damp chill like a warm fire. Poor old George, he'd had no idea what was coming for him. Maybe it was that comment that had made him pick Flory, George's 11-year-old daughter, as his next victim. Maybe it was the town's adulation, the thrill of the attention and fame, that had made him do it all again. Or maybe it was just Flory herself, with her innocent smile and skipping feet. It had been so thrilling, so insistent, so tantalizing. 
hand so easy, slitting her throat, draining her blood in the kitchen sink, dragging her up to the attic and hiding her amongst the beams. It was all so simple until, of course, he was caught, which brought Harold to his current predicament. He paced across his cell, furrowing his brow in concentration. Public opinion, he had to admit, had turned against him. The townspeople weren't cheering anymore. They'd found Flory in his attic, after all, barely two teaspoons of blood left in her lifeless body. In addition, the inquest confirmed that Harold was home alone when Flory disappeared. He couldn't hide the fact that he had killed the girl. He could hope for a judgment of mental incapacity, but Harold knew that if he didn't get it, and if the trial dragged past his birthday in January, he'd surely be executed. Unless he confessed to the crime, which he'd committed as a 15-year-old and was tried as a juvenile criminal. Juvenile criminals were spared the death penalty. Their cases were also reviewed every five years. Harold could live if he pled guilty and might even get out of jail to truly live once again. Coming up, Harold ends up in jail, but only for 20 years. Now, back to the story. On October 27, 1921, 15-year-old Harold Jones confessed to killing 8-year-old Frida Burnell and 11-year-old Florence Little, knowing that his youth assured him a life in prison rather than a death sentence. On November 1st, he stood trial for the crimes, entering a guilty plea. For reasons that are unclear, his written confession was backdated from October 27th to September 17th. Regardless, the result was the same. Harold was sentenced as a juvenile, guaranteeing that his case would be reviewed every five years. He'd likely get out of jail long before his life sentence was up. That's exactly what happened. Harold Jones was released from prison in 1941 at the age of 35. There's no record of exactly what he did in the ensuing years, but we know that he eventually adopted the name Harry Jones, moved to London, married, and fathered a child. In 1971, at age 65, he died of bone cancer and asked his wife to put the name he was born with, Harold Jones, on his death certificate. There are also reports that he visited his hometown and the site of his juvenile killings several times. One townswoman reported that she saw him visiting the graves of his victims in 1949. Each visit, that we know of at least, he was recognized and run out of Abertillery. But that may not be the whole of Harold Jones's story. In 1964 and 1965, a notorious serial killer nicknamed Jack the Stripper brutally murdered six women in the London neighborhood of Hammersmith. He targeted lone sex workers and left the bodies of all his victims nude, hence the play on London's most notorious serial killer, Jack the Ripper. 
police suspected a security guard named Mungo Ireland at the time of the investigation due to traces of industrial paint found at both Ireland's workplace and on several of the bodies. But Ireland died by suicide before police could arrest him, and the case never went to trial. The killings went unsolved. But in recent years, some researchers speculated that the killings were the later work of Harold Jones, or as the townspeople of Abertillery called him, their dark son. Harold lived just two blocks from Ireland and a similarly short distance from the location of the first killing. He also worked as a caretaker and would have had access to the same industrial paints that made Ireland a prime suspect. And the Jack the Stripper murders were sadistic in ways that are reminiscent of Harold's treatment of Frida Burnell and Florence Little's killings. The last of Jack the Stripper's slayings was on January 11, 1965, Harold Jones's 59th birthday. But Harold has been tied to other murders by researchers as well, including the 1946 rape and murder of 11-year-old Muriel Drinkwater in Swansea, the rape and murder of 11-year-old Sheila Martin in Kent during the same year, and the 1959 murder of six-year-old Carol Stevens in Cardiff. While Harold might have been Jack the Stripper or the culprit in any of these other murders, it's also possible that these crimes were committed by entirely different people. Unsolved murders are sometimes tied to the crimes of known criminals or serial killers, even when the evidence doesn't support the connection. What we know for sure is that Harold Jones killed two innocent young girls as a teenager, and that 20 years later, he was released from prison, against the recommendation of a psychiatrist. At the very least, we know he was a dangerous man. However, what Harold Jones did with his freedom remains a mystery to this day. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the episodes of the ParCast original, Serial Killers. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 